I'm going to assume that all of you were in church last Sunday. So think back to last Sunday, Easter. After you left here, what did you do? We, um, we had the, the kids and our granddaughter over for Easter dinner. Uh, it was warm enough that we didn't lock the doors. We just had the screen door, you know, just had the screen door in. Uh, after after the, the, the family left, Susan and I did the dishes. Screen door was still open. Then we took a nap. Then uh, we went walking in the short north in the, in the early evening. At no time did we feel fearful, afraid, like we had to hide anything. The door was wide open. How different that is than the disciples' behavior on the first Easter evening. It says the doors were shut for fear of the, uh, for fear of the authorities. The disciples were hiding fear of the authorities. Yeah, the authorities who killed Jesus could kill them. The purge could be starting. They could be afraid of Jesus. I mean, after all, they betrayed him, deserted him, uh, denied him. If it's true that he's back and alive, he could be coming for his ounce of flesh. He could be coming for revenge, to let him have it. There's a lot to be afraid of. This is the early church. These are the founders of the early church, and they're hiding behind closed and locked doors. There's a lot um, of fear out there that causes us to hide behind locked and closed doors. The Methodist Church will be hearing the case of Karen Oliveto uh, this week, wonder whether this self-avowed practicing lesbian should continue to be a bishop in our church. The decision has, the, the debate over this has driven many people into fear. Um, people are afraid of the church becoming fully accepting or they're afraid of the church not being fully accepting. Uh, many people are closeted on whether they're doing same-gender marriages or not. Uh, our country is closeted. Uh, refugees are hiding for fear of deportation. Uh, I had a meeting with uh, some Stonewall officials this week, and um, the honorees in the Pride March the community honorees are the refugees who have settled in Columbus, the gay refugees who have settled in Columbus because they fled to their countries for fear of persecution. So they will be on the float for recognition. Some of the refugees will be wearing masks because they're afraid. They're afraid that of what will happen to their families back in their home countries if it is known that they are gay. Fear is prevalent in our society. 
And in that culture of fear, where we all live in some kind of closet, Jesus appears. He appears in that room and stands among the disciples. And he has four things he wants to say to this culture of fear. Four things. Remember these. Peace, I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Forgive sins. You got it? Let's see if you got it. This section, what's the first? Peace. This section, what's the second? I pray you. This section, the third? Receive. You're going to have other opportunities. Okay, and the fourth for the choir and the balconies? Forgive sin. Okay, you got it? You got it. Peace, I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Forgive sins. The first, peace. That's nice to hear if you're sitting in a room and fearful. Peace. Peace is not the absence of violence. It's the presence of love. And Jesus' presence in the room gives peace. I think we've all had an experience where the presence of one person changes the whole atmosphere of a room. It can bring energy, it can bring life, uh, it, it can bring purpose. We love it when somebody is there to change the atmosphere of the room. And Jesus' presence brings peace. Now, I have trouble listening to peace talk from people who have not experienced strife, who've not experienced setbacks and failure, who have not experienced conflict, it feels to me like their peace talk is a little shallow. But Jesus, his peace talk is not shallow. He shows them his hands and his sides. This is the real thing. He's been through it. He's been through the conflict. He's been through the hatred. He's been through the stuff that doesn't give peace. And he's come out and says, peace. Here's a new start. There is a new life. Think of what is counter to peace in your life. You know, is it loneliness? Is it greed? Is it fear of poverty? Is it fear of being vulnerable? What counters peace in your life? And Jesus says, peace. I am present. I'm bigger than that. Here's a new start. He says that to the fearful church. Peace. The second thing he says is, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now that sounds counterintuitive to me. I am uh, afraid sitting in this room I don't want to leave it. I'm comfortable. I feel safe. I feel hidden. I'm, I'm having a happy time with Jesus. And Jesus says, go. Go. I send you. No, I don't want to go. Jesus is always sending 
the disciples. I send you two by two. Go into the villages. I send you to go find food for the hungry. I send you to heal the sick. I send you to preach. He's always sending people. St. Francis told one of his followers, you know, God is always asking me what I fear, and I tell God. And then God says, that's what I want you to do. And it's kind of what God does. I send you. It isn't all about me. It's about Jesus sending me beyond myself, sending me to the other. I don't know where God is sending you as individuals. I'm starting to get an idea from our vision team work where where God wants to send our church. It could be calling a representative's office on an issue. It could be volunteering in children's ministry. It could be going on a mission trip. It could be volunteering at NEMAP or New Life. It could be a variety of things. It could be going to our next-door neighbor. It could be going to a nursing home or a hospital. But Jesus sends us. And I think it's, there's a link between peace and being sent. I don't think we get the peace until we are sent. Jesus leaves the room. The peace leaves the room, and we have to go where the peace is. We'll never get out of our fear until we are sent, <laughs> until we sent out of the room of fear. The third thing that Jesus does is say, receive the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says to me, peace, John, I send you, my immediate reaction is, no, I'm comfortable here. I don't have the resources, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the passion, I don't have the will, I don't have the desire, I don't have the know-how. No. I think Jesus gets it. That's why he says, receive the Holy Spirit. I know you don't have it. It interests me whenever God calls somebody, their immediate response is, I can't do it. Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. No, I'm not a good public speaker. Send somebody else. Jonah, I'm sending you to the Ninevites. I hate them. I'm not going. Jeremiah, I'm sending you to the people of Jerusalem. No, I'm too young. You know, and in every case, Jesus, uh, God says, yep, you're right. You are too young. You're not a good public speaker. You don't like the Ninevites. Now go. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to go. I really liked it when Sherry told the scripture and when Jesus said, I give you my breath, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, she breathed on us. That's, what, that's what, what Jesus does. He breathes into us the breath of life so we have the energy and the power and the passion and the will to do it. Sometimes when 
when we accomplish things that we can't on our own steam, people will say, that's a miracle. That's a miracle that this person did. It's a miracle that this person got up and did this. Well, it is. And when the Spirit is present, we're taken beyond ourselves into the realm of miracle. I think of so often in my ministry, I will receive word that a household has suffered a tragedy. They've just received the news of a very bad health report or a family member has died or a family member has lost their job. And I feel sent by God to that family's house, that person's house. And I think, I wasn't trained for this. I didn't take that course. And I go and knock on the door and I think, God, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? I am clueless here. Help me. And invariably, when I enter their house, I feel the energy, I feel the passion, I feel the presence. And somehow, the right things are said and done, even if it's silence. The fourth thing that Jesus says to the church that's fearful is forgive. The sins that you retain are retained. The sins that you let loose of are loosed. The image of this is that Retaining sins, holding people's sins against them is like holding a club over their head. And we do that when we retain sins, don't we? When we keep score, when we hold stuff against people. We hold that club over their head. That's retaining. And we're in a superior position. But the sins we forgive, the verb is let go. We let go of the club. We're not going to hold it against him anymore. We're not going to keep score. Now, Jesus has a lot of things for churches to do and people to do. But this is the first thing that he asked the church to do and to be is forgiving. You think of the results of unforgiveness. There's violence. There's hatred. There's war. There's dehumanization. There's objectifying. And Jesus says, the church and my followers let go of that. 
sometimes religion is interpreted as being right and being perfectly correct. Well, there are some churches and people that operate that way. And it's all about them, and it's all about them getting to heaven. And it's all about judgment. And there are other churches and followers of Jesus where it's not about being right, it's about being in a right relationship. And it's not about being perfectly correct, it's about being connected. And those are two very different ways of going about discipleship and going about being a church. Because the one about being connected and being in right relationships is about community and making ourselves human. So those are the four. Those are the four. Peace, I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit and forgive. You ready? Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Okay, you got it. This is Jesus' Easter sermon. It never dawned on me that Jesus preached an Easter sermon, and this is it. It's just four points, and they're pretty easy to remember, aren't they? You're going to have one more time. They're pretty easy to remember. This is his Easter sermon, and this is who we are called to be beyond ourselves as a forgiving and sent people. And it's interesting to me that as we do sending and the Spirit and forgiving, we realize peace. That's the formula for peace. And that's what we give to the world. May it be so. Amen.